just church-going folks that just kind of, you know, showed up and did it, but it had really no bearing or meaning in their life. But I'm talking about people that actually knew Jesus Christ and were in a relationship with Him, and their lives were different because of that relationship. And on several occasions, I had, even as a high school student, the opportunity of hearing the testimony of someone who's been experiencing transformation because of Jesus Christ. And this question, does Jesus really change your life, followed me when I went, left Minnesota and went to college at the University of Oregon. And again, I started meeting people who knew him, told me about him, and lived it out. And so for just a few minutes, I would like to share with you something that is deeply personal to me. And I think that if you are a believer in Christ, what we're going to look at is deeply meaningful to you as well. And it is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. In fact, three different times, the Apostle Paul gave his testimony, sometimes in very public ways before rulers. In the case of 1 Timothy, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, it is written to, in a personal letter to his protege, a fellow believer, a guy by the name of Timothy. And when we ask this question, does Jesus really change your life? The first thing that he points out is that Christ strengthens us for his service. So let's take a look. Verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. You always know that God is working in your heart when you start expressing gratitude. I can tell you that before I was a Christian, very, very self-centered, all about me, didn't express a lot of gratitude. But when God changes your heart because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you begin to express gratitude. And that's what he's doing here. He says, I thank Christ Jesus. Christ meaning anointed one, the anointed one, the Christos, speaking of his deity, a messianic title, and Jesus, his humanity. He is truly man, fully God, And he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, the one king, the true ruler, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Now, if you've ever read the book of 1 Timothy, you know that he's been talking about the law, the Old Testament. And many Jews thought that if you just follow the law, that's where you're going to find strength and relationship with God. But I tell you, it doesn't work. And maybe you're here and you've tried to follow rules and and you're trying to put some sort of behavioral modifications in your life. It'll leave you empty because law can't change your life. Only Jesus can. And that's what he's saying here. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful and he has put me into service. You see, what Jesus does is he takes people who are lost and he brings them to himself. Those who lack purpose, which I can clearly identify with, he gives them meaning and purpose in the service of him. You can always tell when someone truly knows Christ, not just knows about him, but knows him because they see themselves in the service of the master. And it's God who brings the strength. He strengthens us through his word, And he strengthens us through his spirit and his presence. And like Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. And Paul says, I have learned this lesson, that strength comes from relationship with Christ. And Jesus has truly changed my life because I go to him for strength. We see that Christ does bring about changes because he strengthens us for his service. But let me show you something else, how we know that Christ really changes our lives. And that is that Christ saves us from our sinfulness. Take a look at verse 13. He says, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. He says, let me tell you and remind you of my former manner of life. I was a blasphemer. I was one who slandered God. And you're saying, well, why would a Jewish guy be slandering God? That's because he was slandering the God's Messiah, Jesus, saying he absolutely isn't the Son of God. In fact, he goes on to say, it wasn't just that I was verbally abusive and I was quick to blaspheme, but notice he says, I was zealous. I actually put my words into action, and I was a persecutor and a violent aggressor. He says, my life could be marked out as hostility toward Christ and anyone who would identify with him. And if you want to know what that looks like even today, just look in countries like North Korea or China or different parts of Russia where the persecution is so deep, people are abused, lose their jobs, thrown in prisons. Some lose their lives. In North Korea, if you are even caught with a page of the Bible, you and your entire family and extended family go to a prison camp for years. And Paul says, that's my heart. I was formerly a blasphemer and a violent aggressor and a a persecutor. And yet he says, verse 13, I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. I simply didn't know. Paul was a very intelligent man, highly trained in the law. He says, my behavior was marked out as ignorance. I simply didn't know what I was doing. I was walking in unbelief. But look at this. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Even though I was very wicked, and it stemmed from a heart that was far from God and dark, he says, I want you to know God's grace that unmerited favor, the riches of relationship that are found in Christ. He says, the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. You see, Christ gives faith and he gives love. It's found in him. And here's a verse you probably want to have underlined in your Bible. If you are here tonight and you're like, what is this Jesus all about? What is this whole Easter cross, Good Friday? I don't, I don't really understand it. Just take a look at verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 
if you want to understand why did the eternal Son of God enter into humanity, he lived a perfect life, but he willingly goes to a cross and dies, why? Here is your answer, verse 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I will tell you this, until you see yourself as a sinner, you will never see your need for a Savior. I know that from personal experience. Didn't really see myself as a sinner. Couldn't really explain some of my behavior. But because I never saw myself as a sinner, I really had no need for a Savior. But when you come to that word sin and you're like, well, what does that even mean? It, it comes from ancient archery. It means to miss the perfect mark. And so in archery, the goal is to hit the bullseye. Or if you're shooting at game, to make a good, clean shot. God uses the word sin to describe us, a condition we've inherited from Adam that we miss the mark. We are self-centered. We ignore God. We violate his word. In fact, even you're saying, well, I don't even know anything in the Bible. We even have an understanding of right and wrong. And even when we say, I don't really believe in the Bible, I don't really know God, we even violate our own understanding of right and wrong. We have missed the mark. And when you see that we have missed the mark and that the wages of sin is death, then all of a sudden you begin to see the wonders and the grace of the Savior. And that was what happened with me. It was a multi-year process coming to try to understand God, the Bible, what it means to know Him. But what became abundantly clear is that I had missed the mark. I was indeed sinful. I mean, thoughts, things that came into my heart, actions, behavior, words. As I began to read the Bible, I began to see this is exactly what God calls sin. And when I understood that the reason that I walk around feeling dead inside, when I've got this huge void in my life, the reason I don't know God is because of sin and the wages of sin is death, then at the end of my freshman year at college, I could understand for the first time, it's as if the light bulb went on, Savior, Christ came to save me from my sins. And friends, that's why he came into this world. He came with a mission to die and pay the penalty for sin for all who will believe in him. And notice Paul says, he says, he came in the world to save sinners. And he says, among whom I am foremost of all. That's really the heart of someone who understands just how great the sacrifice Jesus is and has made. I am the foremost sinner. Does Jesus Christ really change lives? Indeed, he does. I mean, we see it. It's Christ who actually is the one who has come and brings us into a service. It's Jesus Christ who actually saves us from our sinfulness. But notice this. He doesn't just leave us there. Being saved from sin, redeemed, bought back, cleansed, made new, is all for a purpose, and that is that Christ sets us apart for his purpose.
purpose. Take a look what he says, verse 16 and 17. He says, yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Did you see that? It was God, because of his mercy, he set the Apostle Paul apart to do what? For his purposes, so that he would demonstrate his perfect patience, that God would show just how patient he is. So think about it. Here you have Paul. He comes to Christ. He moves from being a violent aggressor, a persecutor, a hater of Christ, to someone who now is trusting in him. And as he grows in that relationship, just like you and I, it requires a lot of patience on God's part because we're still prone to sin. And in Paul's case, I mean, it was an opportunity to really grow in the faith, but there was lots of times, just like you and me, he stumbled, he sinned, he missed the mark, but God kept demonstrating his perfect patience in him, and it was for this reason, so that Paul would be an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. That word example, it means a model, a type, like a prototype. It's like the first one. And that's what God does with his people. He not not only just saves us from our sins, he intends to use our lives, imperfect, fallen, oftentimes still even missing the mark, as an example of his perfect, perfect patience and an example of what it looks like to believe. I I want you to know that I find great hope in that because that tells me that despite my shortcomings, uh, despite my inadequacies, the things that I don't know, God never gives up on me. He is always using my life as an example of those who would believe. And that's his intent is that we would grow in our relationship and we would manifest the likeness of Christ. Not that we are just kind of like working it up or I need to follow these rules, but because we actually have a relationship with Jesus. He is our strength. He is the one who has saved us from the penalty of sin. He is the one who has saved us from the power of sin because of Christ's presence in our life. And one day he's going to save us from the very presence of sin. But it is to show the world an example of someone who believes. And so when we come to this Good Friday and we think of the cross of Jesus and all that he has done for us, know this. You who believe, like Paul, it is for this purpose, for your life to be an example to others of what it means to truly know Jesus. And please do not underestimate the power of of your testimony, the power of your words about Christ or how you live. Because if you think about it, wasn't your life impacted by a believer in Christ, although they weren't perfect, who walked with them, walked with him and loved you enough to tell you about him? And friends, just so that you don't think that it's really all just about you, I want you to see verse 17. The whole reason that God does this, 
who brings about salvation, forgiveness, cleansing, makes us new, and uses us as a pattern for those who can, for a watching world, it's for his glory. God is glorified by this entire process, and that's what Paul says in verse 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So often we think like, well, salvation, it's, it's really all, a, it's all about me and my benefits, and certainly we benefit eternally from being forgiven, for having Christ as our Redeemer. But know this, God saves us, rescues us, and redeems us primarily for His glory. God's character is put on display. His glory is manifested when He does the saving work through Jesus Christ, who was crucified 2,000 years ago and three days later rose from the grave. You see, God didn't save Paul just so that he could uh, have Paul not be in hell and eventually go to heaven. He didn't rescue and save Paul so that Paul could just write some New Testament letters. The primary reason that the Apostle Paul was saved by Jesus Christ is so that the God of all glory would be glorified through his life. And friends, that's the same for you. God is glorified through the lives of his people. And that's why Paul says, I'm an example of God's perfect patience. Got a lot of failure, missed the mark sometimes, uh, suffered with like deep depression. If you want to know like how depressed was he? Philippians 1, he says, you know what? I'd like to be done with this life and just be with God in heaven. In 2 Corinthians, he said, I even despaired of even life itself. At times, he was very frustrated. At times, he was very discouraged by just the the lack of of holiness and growth and and the lives of believers. And, And then he was persecuted on multiple occasions, beat up, had stones thrown at him. One time, just kind of left even as dead. But God was glorified through this life. And Paul says, I am merely to demonstrate his perfect patience as an example of those who believe. I would like to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, the one who, like it says in verse 15, came into the world to save sinners? If you, your faith is in Christ, the one who saves sinners, you need to know it's for the glory of God. And he tends to use your life as an example of those who will believe. As an example on how you interface with your neighbors, how you treat your family, how you do your job, the fact that you're even here on Good Friday at a worship service, or that you're inviting neighbors and coming on an Easter Sunday, all of this is just a testimony. My life has changed by Jesus Christ. The one, like it says in verse 15, who has come into this world to save sinners. You see, the more we focus on Christ, the more we experience him changing our lives. Friends, that is the whole heart of Christianity. Jesus Christ. And if you want to grow in your love in him and for him, 
to experience more of his power and his presence flowing through your life, a greater sense of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these fruit of the Spirit, all we need to do is focus on Jesus. Do you know what differentiates Christianity from all other world religions? I'll give it to you in one word. Grace. Every, every religion is working, doing things, trying to earn God's favor. God, the one true God, has sent his son Jesus to die for us, to cleanse us, rose again to give us genuine, authentic life to those who believe. Why? Because of grace, so that those who will believe will bring great glory to him. What I'm going to have you do is something that uh, I've actually been thinking about for several years. In fact, the pandemic kind of put a pause on what we're just about ready to do. I know that you've noticed, like, okay, something's different. There's a cross here on these tables. Uh, I was given a piece of paper and a pen. This is all for a purpose. I want you to think deeply about Jesus Christ and his cross, why he came, and the work that he accomplished to save you from the penalty of your sin, which is death. That's why he died in our place. But to have like a visual experience that we could all do together as a church, what I'm going to ask you to do is to write on that piece of paper, and I'm gonna, we're going to have a time of prayer so you can actually talk to God about this before you start writing, to write out any sin that you are specifically very thankful that Jesus Christ has paid for and completely cleansed you of. Or perhaps you are currently struggling with something deeply sinful and very wrong and might say, like, I'm, I'm even a believer and I can't even believe that I've got this. If you are broken and repentant, why don't you write that down on a piece of paper? This is just between you and God. And then what's going to happen is that after we write just whatever you might want to write, maybe just the word sin, or maybe the word like lust, or greed, or pride, or envy, or uh, uncontrolled anger, or gossip, or gluttony, or abuse, whatever it is, then after you write that, I want you to fold it, and I want you to write the gospel reality of what it means to be in Christ, who you really are. Maybe write the word cleansed, forgiven, new, redeemed, loved. But I want you to write out the reality of how God really sees you. Do you know that God never sees us in our sin, always in the Son? You and I have a way of kind of thinking like, oh yeah, but I'm just a miserable wretch and God's just barely putting up with me for really good reasons. I want you to know the beauty of the gospel of grace is that you are forgiven. Jesus has paid it all. His blood has washed and made you new. And so for you to see and to know and to hear, I'm going to have you write out whatever sin, whatever you want to put on that piece of paper, fold it, and then write the gospel truth of who you really are in Christ, forgiven, new, loved. 
And I'm going to have all of us have a time of prayer, and then what's going to happen is then as you would like, you can come forward. We have three different stations. We have hammers and nails, and keeping it folded, then you will nail it to this cross. And if you're like, uh, my fingers aren't really that great, and I'm pretty sure I might hit my hand, like I might do that, we have some people here that'll help you. They're not going to open up your piece of paper. They're going to just help you nail it to the cross. And then after we do that, then there are three stations on each side. So for a total of six, these are communion stations that you will go to, and all you have to do is truly be a believer in Jesus Christ. But you will go to one of these stations, and we have people there who will lead you in communion if you would like that. Or you could lead uh, your group or your family, or you could take communion on your own, or they'll hand you a card and you could go back to your seat and partake in communion because this is between you and God. But I want you to have an opportunity to do that. And so there's going to be a lot of movement. I want this to be deeply contemplative and very prayerful. But after you've had a chance to nail your piece of paper to this cross and go to one of the communion stations, when we're all back, we're going to close this service this Good Friday service, in a very memorable way. And if you didn't get a piece of paper or a pen, and when you walked in, just put your hand up, and we've got ushers. They'll make sure that you can have one. Okay? So right now, let me just lead us in a time of prayer. So if you want to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to think of Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. So would you right now just thank God for Jesus, the one who was crucified on our behalf, the one who loves us and demonstrated that love, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm going to give you a minute to pray. You ask God, what is it that I should put on my piece of paper? What is it that you have done on my behalf for your glory? And then as you fold that paper after you've written on it, Lord, how do you see me? And how do I need to see myself? So let's just pray in silence. God, I thank you that you never see me or any of us who believe in you in our sin. You always see us in your son whom you love eternally. We're forever yours. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. 
He was pierced through for our transgression, and he is made alive on that Easter, first Easter Sunday. So Lord, I pray that as we partake in this cross experience together, that you would do a profound work in our heart that we might see just how deeply you have loved us and continue to love us. You're perfect in your patience. And so we thank you for this time to be together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So at this time, if you want to just write on your paper, as we've discussed, whatever 